Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. My name is Shannon, and if you don't know me, welcome to Grace Vineyard. It's fun to see some new faces today, and it's fun to see some faces I haven't seen in literally a year. Hello, Greg. (laughs) Welcome. Um, So glad to be here, and um, it's just so exciting. Things are opening up. We're in the orange tier. Hallelujah. We uh, just are having more and more freedoms and abilities to meet together, which is wonderful, and I'm grateful for that, Um, and it's great to see your faces. I'm going to, before I get started, I'm going to pray for myself. Do you know that that's okay to do? (laughs) You're allowed to pray for yourself. So, Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, oh God. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you just continue to flow in this service. I thank you, God, that you are already working. You're already speaking to our hearts through the music, through the word that Michelle gave. It's all just confirmation that you're here and that we are united by you, Holy Spirit. We are united in your purposes and your goals for this world and this kingdom. So, God, we're, I ask that you would continue to just speak, speak through me. Let my words be encouraging and stir up enthusiasm for what you're about to do and how you're going to break into our world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've had quite a year, haven't we? (laughs) Well, (laughs) we've had a year um, learning how to press into God, learning how to seek his face, learning how to pray, learning how to survive mentally and emotionally and spiritually. We've had to learn how to be a church, how to stay united when people have differing opinions and ideas and attitudes about what's happening in our world. We've had to work hard to reach out to others and to um, make that phone call. We, We haven't been able to just rely on, oh, well, I guess I'll just see him on Sunday and just have that superficial connection with people. We've had to work and we've grown this year. We've grown in maturity, um, in our faith, in in our ability to communicate with others. Um, God has used this year to really develop us and mature us. And um, I believe that because of the year that we've been having, God is doing a work and getting ready to move in a super powerful way. And so as I asked, uh, as Ron asked me to, you know, think of pray about uh, preaching, I was like, I don't know what to say. I'm so frustrated with the world. And I just want to say, get it together, people. You know, (laughs) that's what I want to say. But I felt like, you know, the the Holy Spirit was tapping me and going, no, talk about what I want to do. Um, in your church, in your community, and in this world. And we've been doing a series on um, the Holy Spirit. Ron's been doing an awesome job talking about um, getting to know the Holy Spirit as a person, not just seeking the Holy Spirit for what he does, 
but for who he is. And um, it's been awesome to, to think about that. And so um, God put in my heart to talk about um, another aspect of the Holy Spirit and, and what he does and what role he has in our lives. And um, that is to, to bring conviction to people. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings us to the point where we realize we need a savior. So that's kind of going to be the main um, crux of what I'm going to say. Um, but first, before we begin, I just want to say that, that my prayer through this season is now that we're kind of returning to normal, whatever that is, um, that we don't return to our old habits. You know, that I, I felt like before I was, um, I had been in this church for over two decades. So I'm, I'm kind of old timer in this church and, you know, I had a certain place I always sat and I kind of became part of the furniture of this church and, and, and it kind of got overlooked. And, and this is an opportunity for all of us to kind of have that new in church experience where you're making an effort to get to know people and you're making an effort to get together in small groups and get to know one another on a deeper level. And I pray that whether you're brand new to the church or you've been here for you know 20 plus years like me, that you use this newness of coming together to really uh, reach out to others and really press in and, and seek the Lord and what he's doing. Um, so today, again, like I said, we're going to talk about, uh, continue the series on the Holy Spirit, um, talking about the Holy Spirit's role in revival. And um, when, if you don't speak Christianese, revival might sound like a weird word to you. So let me kind of tell you what we mean, who have been, who speak Christianese and, and say, I'm praying for revival. What does that mean? us, it really means that we are looking for God to do a supernatural work in the hearts of not just people in the church, but people all over the world in our community to, um, to be ignited and to, to long for a relationship with God and to hunger and thirst for the things of God. That's what we're looking for when we say revival. Now, I looked up in the web dictionary, um, the word revival under the context of religion. And it said the reawakening of religious fervor, especially by means of a series of evangelistic meetings. That sounds kind of bleh to me. <laughs> I'm not really interested in having lots of meetings. I don't, that's not exciting to me. I mean, I know in the middle of the 19th century, that was cool and that was the fun entertainment to do, go to the revival meeting and, you know, hear great preaching and a sermon, but that's, I don't think, quite what God wants for us right now in this day and age. Um, when I read the definition of revival, though, under a more generic meaning, um, it says an improvement in the condition or strength of something. I like that. I'd love for the church to become improved in their strength and their condition. Or an inter instance of something becoming popular, active, and important again. And I thought, wow, that's the definition I want for a, a revival in our world. I want Jesus. I want the gospel, the message of the cross to become popular, active, and important again, not just to us, but to people in our community. So that's what we're longing for, right? I want that. 
not just to have more meetings for the sake of having meetings, but for Jesus to be glorified, magnified, and become important to people in the world. We as Christians have been longing for a day and we're hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And, and God says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be satisfied. John 4.35, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Jesus tells us that the time for the harvest is now. People are ready. People are desperate. People want to know how to be saved, how to have that relationship with God. And so our job is just to get ready to, when someone asks us for the hope we have, we're able to tell them about Jesus and his forgiveness. Um, people are going to ask you, how did you survive the year of COVID? How did you survive the year of isolation um, and the sense of hopelessness? And I'm encouraging you all not to be shy about telling them about your Lord and how you survived. Um, as a few ladies got together last week and we were asked the question, when was the loneliest time in your life and how did you get through it? And as I thought about it, with the exception of a year that I spent overseas, the loneliest time in my life really has been this last year, really feeling disconnected, really feeling um, like that lack of friendships and, and things like that. Um, how did I get through it? Well, the Holy Spirit has been really active in my life. I've been having more dreams, visions. I've been pressed to pray. Um, I, the discipline of prayer has turned from a discipline of prayer to a real joy and enthusiasm as I get together with people on Zoom and we pray. Um, the Holy Spirit has been active, and that's how I've gotten through this year. And I, I trust and I pray that, that that's been the same for you, that you've, you've survived this year because God has been real to you, and God has comforted you, and God has given you words of hope and encouragement through it all. That's the message that we want to share with people as they ask, how did you survive? Why do you have a, a hope? Our country and our world right now is ripe for revival. Jesus says the fields are white, and they are. Now, when we look back at revivals in church history, we see some common threads of the things that preceded those revivals. The first factor is usually there's some sort of world crisis going on, either a pandemic, a civil war, civil war a plague, um, totalitarian oppression, or something like that. Secondly, there is an unction on the part of the church, Christians in the church, to start praying like never before. There's this stirring up of a desire to pray. And third, a heart of repentance begins to form and develop where it starts with the church and then people in the community start realizing, whoa, I, is there something wrong with my life? And I, something's off and I need a savior. So the, a spirit of repentance is the third aspect. Now it's not hard to see that today we are in a difficult world circumstance. Things were difficult this last year, not just in the US, but around the world, especially where there's not medical care readily available. There's also been social unrest. There has been political tension. Thank you. 
Um, and so we are in a climate that is ripe for revival. And then last week, Ron talked about how um, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to teach us to pray. And over the last year, I have been reignited to pray. And I hope that many of you have had God put a burden on your heart for something. Um, we've suspected that God might be ready to draw people to himself. And so we've been in the mornings on Zoom, we've been, we've been praying into that idea of bringing in that harvest, Lord, come and bring revival. And we, we were praying a lot about it. Um, so whatever God has put on your heart this last year, I encourage you, those aren't empty prayers. Keep praying into that thing. For me, what I was impressed to pray for right when COVID started happening is the youth. I just felt like something's going on. The youth are going to be really affected by this. I need to pray for the youth, pray for the youth. I had no idea anyone was dealing with anything. Now come a whole year later, I, I need more than two hands to count the number of families I know personally who have youth that are suffering with depression, anxiety, addiction, suicidal ideation. They are in a real crisis. So God, God puts it on our heart. The Holy Spirit puts it on our heart to pray for something. That's just one aspect of what's going on in the world that God's put on my heart. God might have put other things on your heart that are important. It's important to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and and ask God, you know, what are you, what do you have a burden for? I love the song we sang that line, break my heart for what breaks yours, break my heart for what breaks yours. And so we pray into that, um, what God is wanting to do in the earth and we agree with him. And there's something so powerful in that, um, revelation. I love this picture in revelation five, eight, it says, that the prayers of the saints, that's us, we're saints. I know you don't feel like a saint, but you are a saint. You are made holy by the blood of Jesus. The prayers of the saints rise up to God like an aroma, an incense, and he gathers those prayers in bowls and they're put on the altar. Your prayers are significant and they matter to God. And he is about to answer those prayers, whether it's Tomorrow, in a week, a month, a year, 10 years, no prayer that you pray is gone to waste. When we're praying in alignment with what the Holy Spirit wants to pray, it matters. And so um, I just encourage you, if, if you have been more active in prayer this year, there's a reason for that. And I believe that God is about to break through with revival. And third, the, um, the third sign of revival is repentance, which is acknowledging our sin and turning away from our sin. And some have described repentance as making a U-turn where we're going one way away from God and we turn around and we go the other way towards God. We're, we're acknowledging that we need to make that turn. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now, I've heard that quoted a ton over my years as a Christian, and I think a lot of times it's said in the context of, well, if we just pray about all the sin and horrible things that the United States government is doing, like allowing abortion and promoting sexual deviancy and um, 
being racist and not doing anything about sex trafficking, if we just confess that, then God will heal our land. And I think what is more of the heart of this verse is he wants each of us individually to say, God, search my heart. Where have I neglected people? Where have I not cared about people? Where have I been judgmental of others? Where have I um, hurt other people in my thoughts and my actions? That's when revival starts happening, when individuals bow their knee and say, God, I need a savior. I need you to save me. I'm not going to, it's too easy to point at other people for doing something wrong or be rail against the government. I've done plenty of that this year. I'm, <laughs> I'm ticked off, but what God wants me to do is to humble myself and get on my knees and pray. Psalm 139. I know that's a favorite of yours, right? Right, Michelle? Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me. How are we grieving the Holy Spirit and lead me in the way everlasting? When we start seeing that happen, we know revival is right around the corner. I went to a home group around, I'd say it was like December or January, and we were just kind of praying together and talking. And um, I heard a lot of, God, I'm so sorry for judging other people. I'm, God, will you forgive me for that? Will you forgive me for my bad attitude? And I thought, hallelujah, you know, because this was a group that could easily have sat there and gone, oh yeah, government's so terrible, blah, 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 we hate that, and we hate this, but no, they were going, I, I see now that I've been wrong about this, that, and the other, and I was like, yeah, cool, that's a sign something good's about to take place. Bringing us to a place of repentance is, um, according to Jesus, one of the key roles of the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 8 through 11, um, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment because, I, um, because sin, because they do not believe in me, um, righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And we almost never think about this when we think about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. A lot of us kind of equate the Holy Spirit with, oh, I get the chills when I do worship, you know, when I sing worship songs, or oh, um, you know, someone's speaking in tongues, or oh, someone got he miraculously healed. And yes, that's all works of the Holy Spirit. Those are gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring transformation in our heart to say, hey, you're not God. You don't get to decide what's right and wrong. I do, you know, agree with me, you know, and, and things will go better for you. <laughs> um, so we don't think about this important aspect of the Holy Spirit we can't uh, convince people of their own sin. We in our own power going, oh, you know, that's wrong. You know, the Bible says this isn't good. Da, da, da. 
the only way real true repentance is going to happen is if the Holy Spirit brings that sense of conviction that they need a savior. Um, he needs to say, hey, you have a sin problem. Jesus, the righteous one, died in your place on the cross, and so you can be saved. And then third, Satan has been judged, and his judgment no longer falls on you if you put your faith in me. And that's what the Holy Spirit work does in each of our hearts. So let me read that verse again, because maybe it was a little confusing the first time I read it. When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they don't believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Repentance that will come in the time of revival is only going to come if there is an internal work of the Holy Spirit that happens in the hearts of people, and it starts in the church, and then it affects the community at large. Transformation of our society will not come because we force people to be good, and we preach moralism, and we implement social justice through government rules and regulations. That's not how revival is going to come. Transformation of our society is only going to come as individuals, including us, are transformed by the Holy Spirit. So as Christians, and I'm assuming most of us in this room are Christian, but I'm not assuming everyone is, as Christians, um, think about how you were saved. Did you wake up one day and say, I think today I want to start following the rules and living by the Bible and being a good person? No. I know that wasn't true for me. I didn't want wake up one day and decide to follow Jesus. What happened first was I had a huge burden on my heart that said, you are messed up, Shannon. And the Holy Spirit put that in me. The Holy Spirit convinced me of my sin. He convinced me that I needed God and that I needed to be saved. He caused me to recognize that I am not God, that he is God, and he gets has the moral authority. He's the only one that has the authority to say what is right. And I recognized that only by the help of the Holy Spirit, I was sinful and I needed him to save me. And that is the kind of repentance that we're going to see in times of revival in a massive scale. We can't force other people, but we can agree with the Holy Spirit in prayer. So our role in seeing people saved is that we, in prayer, agree with the Holy Spirit and what he is wanting to do in the hearts of people. Um, we need to recognize that we are all sinners, that we all fall short of the glory of God and his righteous standard. We need to be ready then as Christians to let other people know that good news because we need to recognize we were all there once. We recognize we need a savior. And when people get to that place of I'm so tense and I feel desperate and I'm in despair and I don't know how to be saved and I can never be a good enough person, we need to be ready to give that message of hope to people once they come under that conviction of the Holy Spirit. Um, 
once that conviction happens, the Holy Spirit's next job is to write the law of God on people's hearts. It's not an external law that you have to follow. It becomes internalized. Um, it says that in Jeremiah 31, 33, and then again in Hebrews 8, 10, it says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, and now extended to all of us. We are the house of God. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. In a few minutes, we're going to get ready and, and take communion together. And that's going to be a good time for us to think and reflect of the amazing work of salvation that God has done to acknowledge that we needed forgiveness and he gave us forgiveness. And, and we are in ongoing thanks and praise for what he's done. But before we talk about the, uh, before we get to communion, I do want to talk about what we can expect as a result of revival. What is the goal of revival? What is God wanting to do? Um, it's not our perception of what we think God should do. We need to look to the word for God to show us what he wants to see in the world. Um, Hebrews 8, 11, thank you, Kathy, for bringing that up to me, describes that in the end, they shall not teach each other, each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. That's a cool um, end result of revival. Um, Ron quotes a lot Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Wow, that's an amazing thing to think about, a wonderful goal of revival. That's why we pray for revival. And then finally, we need to know and we need to believe that God desires that no one perish, but that all are saved. Um, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And in 2 Peter 3.9 Peter writes, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God wants everyone to be saved. He doesn't want everyone to go do their own thing and live their lives and don't bother me anymore. He really wants everyone to be saved. So we as Christians need to have that conviction that what we have to offer people really is good news. It's the best news ever. And be ready to give that to people. Um, Amy talked about Palm Sunday in the beginning. And if you missed it, I, I liked what she had to say. Um, 2,000 years ago, um, the week before Jesus was killed, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a, the cult of a donkey. And the people were waving palm branches in front of them and saying, Hosanna, which means Lord save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But the people back then, like Amy was saying, they were expecting a conquering king. They were expecting someone to make their world better, to get rid of the oppressor, to let them you know, be a free people, to keep doing their own thing and living their own religious way. 
but that wasn't what God had in mind. He knew that they needed salvation from their sins, and that's what he came to do 2,000 years ago. He wasn't going to rush in and fix their society for them. He was coming to fix us, to fix our sin problem, the, the things that were separating us from him. That's what he came to do, and they didn't realize it back then. And a lot of times we say, God, just come and fix our society, fix our problems. But we still are in need of God fixing each one of our hearts. And so, um, yeah. One day, the vision that people had on Palm Sunday, that original Palm Sunday, is actually going to happen in heaven. And so I want to say that too is another goal of revival. Revelation 7, 9 through 10. John, uh, the disciple John, late in life, had a vision from Jesus. And he looked and he saw a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. That is the real Palm Sunday that we're looking forward to. That is the goal of revival that every tribe and tongue and nation, every person on this earth would be gathered around the throne and would recognize you, Jesus, are the reason for our salvation. Salvation belongs to you. You were the only one worthy to pay the price, and we're here because of you. That's what we want to see happen in revival. Okay, we are going to take some time now to do a little bit of what we're talking about, to take some time to reflect on what Jesus did for us on the cross, getting ready to um, ask God to search our hearts, to recognize and celebrate um, that there's only one way to be reconciled to God. Now, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, I encourage you to make today your day, to make today the day where you recognize the Holy Spirit is already working in your heart, and he's saying, there's a gap. There, there, there's a gap between me and you, and I want to close that gap. I want you to put your faith in me. That's what Jesus is saying to you. I want you to put your faith in me and believe that I died on the cross for your sins and that you can be made clean, given that white robe, made totally pure and righteous because of what I did for you on the cross. Um, in John 6, 35, Jesus says to his disciples, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Jesus is calling you to come to him. The Father is calling you to come to him through Jesus. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Jesus will never let you go if you believe in him. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing 
of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Um, will you pray with me now, and then we'll take communion together. Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come right now and bring conviction of our sin to help us to recognize that we need a Savior. God, we, we thank you for you loving us so much that you're, you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross in our place. We thank you, Lord, that you promise that if we put our faith in you and we believe in you, you will never cast us out. You will never let us go. We are yours forever. And we will be one of those people gathered around the throne, waving palm branches and saying salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. God, we thank you for that. And so as we take communion right now, we say we remember what you've done for us. And we come to you with thankfulness and gratitude. We thank you for the sacrifice you made. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to encourage you all to go ahead and, and open your cup here. Hopefully mine will work here. There's a little uh, top part that has a little wafer in it. If you're on Zoom, go ahead and get your bread. And say, this is the body of Christ given for you, broken for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And then Jesus um, took the cup. So this is the juice, the, the fruit of the vine. He said, take this cup and drink it. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's drink the cup. Lord, again, thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. Lord, help us to now be ready to share the good news that's available to all with anyone who is desperate and needing hope from you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.